You're listening to Culture Camp. Tune in each week to hear from an amazing lineup of athletes, CEOs, founders, and more who have created winning cultures in their organization. Each will share the secrets to creating a culture in your business that will lead you to thrive. Are you ready? Here's your host, Jason Haugen. All right, welcome back to another episode of Culture Camp. I got a really, really fun one today. I got Mr. Bryce Prescott. Man, thanks for being on the show. You're welcome, bro. Thanks for having me. Dude, it means a lot, especially Marvin your Ferrari out here. I know that, that that's not cheap drive with the Ferrari, but it means I mean, a lot. It's just gasoline. It, yeah, that's it's true. Not like I, I had to fill it with eggs or anything. That's you know true. I mean? <laughs> oh man, the eggs! Right now, I saw a, a, a funny thing the other day. It was like one of those little magnetic, um, like things you put on clothes. It yeah. was wrapped around an egg carton. And I'm oh. like, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <clears throat> I've seen all these memes about that too. It's like. The subtle flex of wealth nowadays is like buying eggs without even looking at the price, bro. You right. Just walk in and grab an 18 pack and strut to the it's, deal. It's the ultimate flex. Yeah, Same with meat right now. It's right? freaking insane. I, me, me and Mikel went shopping the other day and I'm like, dude, it would have been cheaper just to freaking go out to eat. Yeah. Especially with two people. This is, it's insane right now. But. I've actually thought about that. Like with the meat and stuff, like, cause you go buy a, you know, egg bagel at Einstein's, the price hasn't gone up yet, but it's right. going to have to at some point if For that's sure. what's happening with these you know, oh, yeah. perishables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like Super now, interesting, right? Let's talk more about chickens. Dude, and eggs. I know, I, I know. I was gonna just talk for <laughs> two seconds about how freaking the egg white bites at Starbucks have gotten. They're like five bucks. They're I mean, so good, like, though. Oh, they're su- super good. Yeah, but yeah, Bryce. Again, thank you for being on the show. Um, <laughs> Bryce owns um, a podcast business called what? Media Automated. Media Automated, and then yeah. you're also a comedian. It's freaking hilarious. I love your reels, dude. You're you're an absolute blast to follow, Thanks, and it's been cool getting to know you. And in for people that don't know that Bryce um, does my podcast, produces my podcast, um, the Culture Camp, the Culture Camp, Jason Haugen. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's your voice. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, uh, I had I had to get a little growly when I recorded your intro for that Haugen. You know, yeah, I love it. I appreciate. I've actually it, gotten compliments on that. Like I've had people reach out, like, "Did you record Culture Camp?" I go, "I did the new one, anyway, not the old one." Right. Like, oh, I like the voice. Yeah. They say the voice, and I'm like, I just just got you know, got a, didn't drink water when, for an hour. <laughs> I love it, man. But yeah, so I just, I just kind of want to, you know, talk shop today, man. I know you're, you're, you run one of the largest, at least that I, that I'm aware of the largest podcast pr- production, audio automated or, or is audio automated. It was or? audio automated. I haven't technically, it's one of those things where I haven't technically changed the name of the company yet, Okay. but I will be because I've incorporated media now before okay. it was just strictly audio stuff. We were doing podcasts and then I was outsourcing anything for clients out to, you know, different people that we know in the in the media space with filming right and then i'm like let's bring that in-house right no so I, I think it's awesome it helps me out a lot especially i get people ask me all the time about like podcasts and how they do and this and that and the other and i i don't know if people go your way but i always tell people you know ask bryce is one that that does everything for me and i know that you have a, a business that sets people up for for podcasts which we'll get into but one thing i want to i want to kind of get into is like how, what led you to starting to be you know are you the producer or, you know, like helping all these podcasts and kind of being the, the plug for podcasts, yeah. not, not even in Utah, but like all, kind of all over the place. Like you do a bunch of different shows. Yeah. Um, some of them from, for, for our, uh, I'll say quote unquote celebrity friends or, you know, we're working with them in different, different all aspects. All the blue checks. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lots of blue <laughs> checks. Um, but kind of what led you into this? Like, you know, what kind of what's been your story? And I, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't know your story, so yeah. I'd love to know it. It's not glamorous, actually. It was one of those things where I just kind of fumbled into it and it became something that worked. And I realized not only did I have a knack for it, that I enjoyed it. Really? So I just built it. It was one of those things where, so my personal journey into podcasting itself was there was a time in the early 2010s, it was 2012, 2013. 
Um, I'd had some health problems. I was, I was trying commodities at that time. I was actually sitting on a nest egg of money that I'd made from, uh, REO real estate from 08 to 11, 12 and, uh, started traveling the world. I, I speak fluent Portuguese. And so I was spending wow. time in Brazil and in Argentina trying to work with co-ops there for selling soybeans and sugar and things. And I had a partner that was really connected in Southeast Asia. So we were trying to connect these big commodity transactions and, uh, it wasn't going very well. Like we were spending all of our money, all of our time getting super close to the finish line and it would fall apart. And so I was pretty much close to broke. And we had this one last deal where we flew this Chinese group of people out to uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. They told us that they had, I mean, they proved that they had their banking lined up. They could do the deal. And they said, we just need proof that you actually have the product. And so we flew them into Sao Paulo. We had everything lined up in Santos, which is the port city there in, in the state of Sao Paulo. Right. And uh, we were going to show them that. Well, we come to find out that they're to see four other suppliers. And even though we paid for their trip and everything cost us about 30 grand to do it, they didn't go with us. Wow. And so I was pissed. I'm angry. My bank account's gone. I'm pretty much on the verge of bankruptcy at this point. And I'm sitting like I'm kind of half drunk in a bar in Sao Paulo, Brazil with a steak <laughs> in my belly. And I'm having this kind of existential moment where, cause I was young, this was back in, you know, this is 10 years ago. So right. I was in my mid to late thirties and uh, I'm like, I don't know what I know. I, I thought I knew the game. I thought I knew success. I thought I knew how to, you know, relationships worked in business. I thought I knew all this stuff because we'd done really well. I mean, I'd made millions of dollars in the real estate game right. and then transitioning into commodities. I'm like, it's going to be a similar beast. It's business, it's product service, it's how do you pay for it, managing the relationship, finish line, paid, everybody good. Right. Well, I didn't realize what I was getting to, which, which I laugh at now considering one of the things I didn't like about the real estate business was how shady everybody was. And so I had this like, so let's get into the global commodities market. Right. It'll be easier. <laughs> such a dumb move. My point is, though, is that I, I was having this this moment where I'm like, I don't know anything. I thought I knew, but I don't know. And I go, I need access to people that right. can help me. And I was listening to Rogan at that time. As far as podcasting, there was this, uh, you might know who they are. Do you know who Jerry Ferrara is? He I've was heard Turtle of, in Entourage. I've heard of the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had a podcast back in the day called Bad for Business, which was just him yep. and his wife. I've heard of the, that's why I've heard of the podcast. Yeah, okay, yeah. 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 So like, I'm like, I could start a podcast. I didn't know what a podcast was. I didn't, as far as like how to do it or anything. And so I started one that was called Rules of Success. Okay. And it was basically an interview-based show. I would have these, you know, captains of industry, these influential people on the show trying to learn from them. Because I was like, I, I kind of just put it down. I'm like, I, I don't have any pride about this. Like, I realize I'm an idiot now. I need right. to relearn what I thought I knew. Right. And it was cool. That show, I mean, I interviewed gold medalists, like Grammy award-winning musicians. I interviewed Turtle. Actually, I had um, Jerry Ferrara on that show. I reached wow. out to him. And he. it was actually cool because my interview with him was on my 40th birthday. Oh, that's cool. And he was on his way to some junket for the Entourage movie that was being released at the time. So it was kind of wow. cool. Um, and I, I, I started realizing something about podcasting as a medium. Well, there's a lot more to that story, but I'll kind of fast forward. It's about four years ago, four or five years ago, I had a really good friend of mine. You actually might even know him. You know, John Madsen. Mm -hmm. He, so he is the CEO and founder of superhuman. Yep. He's associated with upgrade and William lamb. Yeah. I was just with him in Scottsdale. Oh, he, oh yeah. 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 With Ryan. And, yeah. yeah. You know, John. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's one of my favorite people in the world. He's just one of the nicest dudes, total high level identity of success. His results show it like, right. He's a great guy. And, 
and I've known him for a long time. He was actually really influential in my physical transformation years ago after I was, you know, overcoming some of the effects of cancer and that those treatments. Wow. Um, and he was asking me these questions about podcasting, you know, and his wife, Nineveh, was like, what are you doing, Bryce? You should be charging people for this. You know everything. Everybody asks you about this stuff. Why don't you do it? So I kind of started, I tiptoed into it. Right. I started producing episodes for people and charging them for that. And it was a side thing. I was trying to be a consultant at that point. I'd learned so much, relearned, if you will, so much from my Rules of Success podcasting days that I was having people reach out to me. And I was trying to be that guy. Like, right. pay me to consult you type thing. Well, John Madsen ended up being my very first client as where we created his show together. I started to figure out the whole avatar model of speaking to the people that you're intended to have listening to you. Right. And uh, it, it came from there. Like back then, I was charging nothing because I didn't know much, but I knew enough. Right. And, you know, here we are, John and his podcast, The Show, which is a fantastic podcast, by the way. Right. They're at 260 some episodes and me and wow. my team have produced every single one of them. That's awesome. And it continued on where it's like, I, I started to realize more and more the mistakes podcasters make people that get caught up in the external stuff. Like, well, what gear do I buy? Where do I post? Like, that's the easy stuff. You can learn that in a day on YouTube. Right. But creating a show that hits the pain points of the people you want to have listened to it that gives them a reason to tune back in, that elevates you as an authority, as a host, nobody does that. Right. And that was something that was coming natural for me as I was coaching these people. And so I just started ratcheting it up and that was what I do. I've, I've media automated. We are a full service podcasting agency. We handle everything related to your show. But my biggest you know, revenue comes from consulting on new, new builds. Right. Like where we're like, you don't have a show yet? Okay, let's figure it out. And I walk people through this process of like, what problem do you solve? Who do you solve it for? Does your show reflect that you do that? If not, let's change it. Are you able to handle the weight of a successful show? Because if not, we got to work on you and your mindset. So, right. so it's a combination of like technical stuff, speaking, coaching, mindset coaching. I guess this whole sort of thing. And it just works with my personality. Dude, I love that. What What is the, uh, like, I guess the biggest like roadblock for podcasters that you, you help them work through when they're like a brand new person? Well, there's a couple of different... Um, angles to that question as far as an answer when it comes to people that are using podcasts for their business i i love it i get the deer in the headlights look every time i go cool you want to start the show what problem do you solve and they don't know like well right. i just want to talk about you know x y and z and then i want to have these people come on and i want to like they haven't conceptualized that their podcast itself should solve a problem right I mean, you're an entrepreneur, you're successful. You understand that in order to make more money, you got to solve bigger problems, right? Well, if For we're sure. not even going to look at your podcast as a problem solving like piece of your content strategy, what are we doing? Right. What are we doing? You know? Right. So that's <laughs> one of the things I see most is people don't realize they are solving a problem or if they're not, they won't grow their show. Right. Another thing that I see as an issue is that people don't realize that when you are a podcaster, you're a leader. Like people that listen to your show are looking to you for something. It might not be, you know, some 300 Spartan type leader. Right. But you're leading people in a direction. Right. And false humility doesn't work. Right. Like nobody wants to listen to a podcast like, well, you know, I'm pretty good at this part. And I think I could. No, 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 no. Dude, right. They want that guy that's certain. The authority. Exactly. Yeah. 
And people out of a fear of coming across arrogant or being judged for that, they don't want to step into that. So they try to be like this kind of fake humility and it just sabotages their show. Right. No, dude, I, I, I agree. I, I will say like, man, I, this show has been a lot harder than, than I ever thought. Um, you know, it, it takes a lot of energy and it takes yeah. a lot of like, it, it, it's especially with, in the own interview style like that I do because, and, and, and I'm similar to you. Like when you started your podcast is like, I, I want to learn from other people. And so I'm like, okay, what's the best platform I can bring yeah. people in. I can send them across my, I don't have to go through the woofoo form. Exactly. I don't have to pay him for coaching. <laughs> exactly. And I love it because I've gotten so many cool things out of it and, and really learn people and create relationships. And some of my really good friends have kind of come out of this podcast of just yeah. because it's a good raw conversation, but it's been, it's been hard I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot more work than I thought. I mean, being able to be on the schedules and make sure, especially with you, like, I feel super bad that like, I'm always behind. Like I used to be really ahead and I'm always behind. And I'm like, like, I was like, Hey, let's Hey man, like my expectations, I just gave you the video. Like if it comes out in a week, it comes out in a week. Like we're way behind. Like that's, that's my fault. Right. Like that's not, I'm not going to be those clients that are like, Hey, I gave you this video last night. I need, I need five rolls in the morning. Like right. I'm like, Hey man, like we're good. Just Get it when you get well. There. Well, I I appreciate you bringing that up and saying that. I think the even in spite of that, like the dynamic that we have in that client um, provider relationship, is that I just I don't expect anything you don't expect. Right. And so if you're telling me it's going to be this way, like I take you at your face value on that. Say like, okay, cool. Like and then we just we just maximize what we can based on what's there. Yeah. But the other thing is, is like I want to make sure that what we're providing you feels automated. For right. You. So you're just like okay, I'm going to turn it over there. It's done. I don't got to worry about it. Right. Cause I know that for a guy like you, that's valuable for sure. You're busy. You've got a ton of things going, a bunch of plates spinning. Right. You don't need to be, you know, Hey, can you approve this copy that we wrote for your episode description? You're like, right. ah, get out of here, dude. Right. Handle it. Right. No. And, so and, and you know, it's, it's a huge level of trust because I do trust you and I know that it's going to be out. And I, I honestly never doesn't even cross my mind that I'm ever worried that it's not going to come out. I think at three or four in the morning, whenever you have it set, like yeah. it's, it's rolling out. Well, and I, I will say this. I'm going to give him a shout I have a great team. Like my lead engineer is, is a guy named Grant and he is a Nazi about really important things when it not truly, it's not like, <laughs> stuff, like he's not that guy, but he's, he's very, very articulate as far as uh, when he wants things in and how he does it. And it really does a good thing for our business. Cause like he kind of leads that sort of track when it comes to make sure everything happens and I don't ever have to worry. I know it's awesome. And I, I, I appreciate you more because it really is automated. I mean, it, it, I don't really worry about anything. My biggest struggle. And I guess our biggest struggle as a, as a team is freaking uploading the videos because they're so big, but I think we're working that out, especially with me, me yeah. working with Con and more and being able to just give them the memory card, he uploaded or uploads it. And then we're, we're bouncing out of there. And so, but that's on me because you know, I'm getting busy. I'm, you know, making excuses and these things. And like, I've thought really hard about like, do I keep doing the podcast? Cause it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. And then I get these people DMing me or like one person came to my office and was like, Hey, I just want to thank you for your podcast. Like one of my employees listened to it and he shared it like through the, and he doesn't even know that we're related. And I'm like, what, how did he listen to it? And he's like, I'm not quite sure. Like, but he shared it in one of our management meetings. And like, I, you know, it was my father-in-law. He's like, Hey, he has no idea that we're related to any of that. And I'm like, okay, that's why I keep doing it. And like thinking about it, like I, I just want to keep sharing, you know, culture and, and solving that problem. Cause I think that's a huge problem. But I, I agree. Like I get people who hit me up all the time and they're like, I want to do this. And I'm like, well, why, you know, what are you doing this and that and the other? And then they go, then I go on some shows and they just want to talk the whole time. And it's like, well, yeah, it's got to solve something. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and then, and then that's why like, I've gotten some compliments, I guess, that have made me feel good that I'm a good interviewer, that I have a conversation, put the credibility on the other person. 
but that's the point of the podcast. Cause, uh, if, you, if I just wanted to hear me talk all the time, then okay. But then meeting you, you're like, dude, you have to build your brand and you have to do stuff. Like you have to be authoritative figure. Like people are listening to you. And I'm like, okay, so that's what the mindset that I've been getting, like working with Conan is doing more. Like you know, I've done a couple solo episodes and different things because I do get asked all the time of like, Hey, like, where can we find you talk about this? And I'm like, well, I'm only we, on. We could, I got some ideas for you off Michael. I'll tell you about yeah? it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's well. I, I want to bring this up though because this is a very important thing. Um, even when you've got the best team around you, like it can be messy doing these shows, right? And that's okay, right? Like it's never going to be like super perfect and fluid, and especially when you're doing interview based podcasts and you're having to handle other people's schedules and things. Like, right? You're handling this really well, dude. Uh, the the idea that you would think about not doing anymore like oh no 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 like this there's too much value that you've got going on with this thing yeah no it means a lot and i uh i mean i like my expectation is like i i mean at the end of the day like it's on me like uh, if i if i don't give you an episode that's not your fault like right so my expectation isn't you know hey it's coming out monday morning and i give it to you monday morning or give it to you sunday night that it's going to come out i'm like if i don't give it you well we still try to make sure that we get it out as quickly as possible right we're not resting on anything but yeah, yeah, yeah. I but appreciate I, that. Again. But I, you know, I, I, there's a lot of understanding because same thing, like I'm in, I'm in business, right? It, my, like, I think when customers or people have crazy expectations, like, like really, like, would you have that for yourself? Or like, do right. you think you could do that for someone else? Like my, yeah. So I, I, but I'm collaborative, right? Like I want to work yeah. together and just have the best thing for everybody and the best situation for everybody. And I want to keep the, our relationship means more to me than anything. So I just want to make sure that we're good. Yeah. And like a lot of times you'll check me and I'm like, no, man, I want to like, I want to make sure I'm doing okay for you, which, you know, like that's the relationship that I want. So I appreciate you just working with me a bunch of times. Cause you're always like, Hey man, you got an episode. This I'm like, Oh crap. Well, that's like, part of my, that's part of like the service. I was, it's, it's, it's a nudge. Just like, hey, right. Got one? Yeah. But yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do it today. Frick, got to do a solo episode because you know, and you're right. Like people cancel. I've had a ton of people, especially these holidays. It's been, been difficult, but now, for some reason recently, I've had a ton of people hit me up and ask me to to do their podcast or be on my show or whatever. Yeah. So I'm, I'm figuring out how to do it remotely a little better than before because I try to do everything in person. But I think remote, I can still make a good vibe. But yeah. but but podcasts are huge. What do you think, I guess, is like a, a big value for people? Like if they have something, they have a problem to solve, like why why a podcast? Well, quite simply, when you when you have your own podcast, you own a distribution channel. Like it's a TV station, basically, or a radio station base is, is a better way if you don't have video. And so that means that you can control what's going on there. You can control how, who advertises on your show. You can control, control the message, all that. So especially, if, it, it's crazy. If you have a product or service, regardless of the product or service, there is a way to make a podcast that could be successful based on that. You own a bunch of RV uh, companies. Right. You could literally make an RV podcast. Yeah, we've, people, we've thought about it. Well, dude, here's the thing. Is like, I've got a guy out of, out of Columbus that like he's done a window podcast. Like he, he does really? windows and roofs. And here's how we structure it. This is an example of how you can use this for your business, okay? No matter what your product is, you have questions that people ask you about your product that can allow them to create a bias or an opinion that could not be true. Right. So if you approach a podcast, it doesn't, see, it doesn't have to be an ongoing show. It can be... 10 episodes and it sits there like a book and you say, Hey, you, you know, got some reservations about owning your own RV. Well, here, listen to this podcast. I've got 10 episodes. We go into every nook and cranny as far as things you might not think you would need to consider if you owned an RV problems that other RV owners have had the solutions, why it's beneficial. And you do this quasi infomercial about your product that doesn't sell. 
It's wow. very information based. Yeah. And with a guy like you, for example, you have stories that could elevate why somebody would want to have an RV. Ah, we were sitting in the mountains. It was so cool. We had the fire going. Like you're painting pictures with words of why somebody would want that for themselves. You're right. voyeuristically giving them a peek into a different reality for them. And it's a closed loop. Right. People don't consider that. They don't, they're like podcasting is Joe Rogan. Podcasting is call her daddy. Podcasting is like all these entertainment. It's ESPN. It's the, right. you know, Bill Simmons, it's all these big name, like entertaining podcasts that are right. not evergreen. They're based on topics that change. That's just one little corner of the podcast. Now, did I, I never thought about that. Like I never thought about that. You could create basically like a, like a library or like a, you know, like yeah. you said, like a, that, did I've done that with yeah. real estate? Agents? I mean, there's so many. Like you could do that. Like, cause I, like my media guys drive me nuts to do a podcast for RVing and like all these different things and talking about the the RV parks that we like. Uh, all this huge, and I'm like, dude, like, yeah. I mean, I have all that. We could change out the background, do all these things, and I've got the equipment and we can do it. And I got the guy to produce it. But I'm like, man, it's just like, it, can we keep it ongoing? And I'm, I'm thinking, I think I'm thinking about it in the wrong yeah, way. There's two people look at podcasting like a like a magazine, like it's got to come out every Tuesday. You can look at it like a book. Like this is this is what it is. It's a closed loop. It's done, and it just right. sits there. Right. And you have to pay for your hosting and stuff on a monthly basis, but that's minimal. Right. I've I've done that work for real estate agents. Like there's one realtor that I've worked with in Salt Lake. He had written this book that was called The Top Ten Mistakes Buyers Make. And it was, for all intents and purposes, a piece of shit book. It was a little pamphlet, had great content in it. Right. It had a cool cover and everything, but it was really underutilized for the power that the content was. And so we made, we took every chapter in that book and made it a podcast episode. And that, that thing is still up. It's called the Top 10 Mistakes Realtors or Buyers Make. Wow. And so now he uses that as like a business card where he'll say like, hey, I know I'm not working with you as a buyer's agent, but I want to make sure you're taken care of. I've got this podcast. It's free. Go to this link, listen to it, whatever. And it's a huge lead magnet for him because yeah, people like start to hear like, oh, he cares. He knows like, you know, the game, dude, yeah. people like you, know you and trust you. They do business with you. Right. The easiest way to do that on the terms of the listener is to create something that allows them to consume it on their terms. For sure. And like, you know, it's, it kind of goes back to like talk radio, right? Like it, yeah. it's people listen to it because they feel like they trust the host. They feel like they, the, the host is educated and know what he's yeah. talking about. They, I mean, it's just a conversation because you really see into the personalities. It's like, and I used to listen to 104.3, um, Dave and Dev in the morning. Okay. You know, I don't know if you ever heard that that show in, in Utah. It's like a country station. Okay. Man, I feel like I know Dave and Dev. I'm like, man, they're friends of mine. Like yeah. I feel like like we're but that's how like I I feel like podcasting can be for your business and podcasting for, can be for whatever like you said earlier problem you're trying to solve because they really get to know you and this is yeah, like yeah, it's edited but it's unedited. It's kind of like really unedited and raw because yeah. it's a conversation, right? Yeah. You can edit out a phone ring and that's happened to me a couple of times and different things like that. But at the end of the day, the reason why I like to do this and I like to be raw and I, and I like to listen to raw podcasts, right? Yeah. Like the real on social media is kind of the edited clips of the real important, you know, quote unquote nuggets. Yep. But if you want to listen to the raw podcast and get to know someone yeah, I feel like a podcast is a great way to know that. Cause there's a lot of people I listen to that. I'm like, man, I feel like I have a relationship with this person. Like, I feel like we're friends. They have no clue who I am. Okay. So being that you would do business with them. Then. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. There it is. Yeah. And I have people that hit, have hit me up recently about like, cause like my, my big goal and dream is I want to keep speaking. I used to be, speak and haven't really done it in a long time. And now I want to keep doing it. Cause I really want to take this culture camp and 
run it. Like I have a whole software program I've been working on with another company about personalities and management styles and all of this stuff. Like we've, we've gone, I've gone deep into the culture and team building aspect of, of behavioral science. All that exactly. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm probably going to have to go back to school. Um, we're kind of teetering about if I really need to go back to school or not. And the education, cause these guys are PhDs and everything that I need to know, but to be quote unquote certified to teach what we're, what we're going to come out with. But it, it like, this podcast has given me that avenue that we're like, okay, like now, now we're trusting you to be able to come in and, and talk because I used to be a great speaker. And I mean, I feel like I'm still in, but like that was never recorded. Right. And so then people are like, Hey, like we've heard you done all these things, but like, are you a good speaker? And like, I don't really know. Like there's no way to maybe you'll listen to an episode that. of culture. Camp. Yeah. Well now I'm like, Hey, listen you. to this yeah. episode. And they're like, Oh yeah, cool. You're, we're, we're cool. But before this, I'm like, it's kind of just hearsay. And I'm like, Hey, I have, like I literally have physical CDs of my talks back in the day. And I'm like, do you have a CD player? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay. Like, well, What's a CD player? <laughs> exactly. And so like, it's just been, it's been awesome to be able to to do that. And I think that, I, I mean, I, I think podcasts are, are, are a great way yeah. to, to spread who you are and, and, and sell your product. There's one other thing that not a lot of podcasters and, and would be podcasters understand is that it forces you to level up your communication skills. For sure. Your show will die on the vine if you're a bumbling idiot behind the microphone. Right. So you got to be better. And you got to kind of show your emotion behind the yeah. microphone because me nodding, people don't see that, right? So you have to be like, you have to kind or of. Or the other side, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, they just constantly like say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Like right. you have to be deliberately uh, disciplined about how you show up as a communicator. And engaged, right? Yeah, There's a lot of people that I feel like I've been on their shows where they're not really engaged with me. They're just kind of reading off a thing and don't really care. Right. They're just moving through you know, okay, you know, this person's just on it, you know, just, let's just get through this. Okay. So, so case in point, people that ask yes or no questions as a podcast host and don't follow it up with something that requires thought, they're shooting themselves in the foot. Right. Hey man, how are you? Are you good? Yes. Okay. Now what? (laughs) For sure. Like I've heard episodes of this show where like you were trying to like rope stuff out of people. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep the names on the DL, but like, I'm like, I get it. It's like, okay, yeah. You, but that you handled that with grace when you're like, okay. This is going to be a tough one. This, I'm is, gonna, we're, this I'm, is how we're doing I'm work, it? Yeah, right. I'm working for this one. Winding it up. Yeah, right. it's okay. Like, yeah, it, that, that's on you. That shows your craft and skill as somebody that can really uh, view the landscape of what's happening in the conversation. Like, okay, so if I'm going to keep this thing interesting, we have to entertain people on a podcast. Right. We'll go this way. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't want to be boring. And like, yeah, like you get those people that you're like, prod and stuff out of them. But you know what? It's helped me in communication skills because it's, it's helped me ask like thought questions where they're, they're wanting to move in different directions. Even, even in like our company, like now that I'm kind of thinking about it, like, I feel like I've changed a lot of our management meetings and our executive meetings with more questions because I think this has helped me get like the creative juices. Cause there's sometimes where people are very dry at the beginning, right? I mean, I live far away from everybody mostly and everybody drives. They got to go like to get here and I'm like, okay, like I just, yeah, I mean, we drove thing. to Elko for this interview. It yeah. Was, it was fun, you know, <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> it feels like it up here, but, um, you know, I know like they're tired and this and that and the other and whatever. And it's like, I got to get them warmed up to get to talking and a good conversation happens. And in most of the time it's like, man, I wish I could just fast forward that, but sometimes got to warm the people up because you know, they're, they're thinking other things and, don't really know where this conversation's going because culture camp, we could really talk about anything. And then, but then like the end starts to just freaking, we start to roll in it. I'm like, okay, like now we're all speaking the same language. It's all good, but it forces you to do that. 
And you cannot just sit here and like stare at each other and hope something words come out. Yeah, and, people will listen to this. Yeah. And if it's not supposed to put them to sleep. Right. For sure. No, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. So dude, you do a lot of different things. And one of them that I personally love that I love watching your social media is you're a comedian and you're freaking hilarious. Thank you, sir. Let's, let's talk about that. Like how, how, how did, were you always wanted to be a comedian and, and how long have you been a comedian? I, uh, my very first open mic was March 11th, 2017. Wow. So, so it's been five years almost six years or six years. Six, oh crap. It's 2023. You know, today is my five year anniversary owning the company. Congrats, man. Yeah, that's thank a huge you. deal. Thank you. It's January 18th. It's kind of, kind of crazy, but, uh, that's huge. Wow. yeah, yeah, it's been, been a, a whirlwind. So yeah. Talk about comedy, man. Let's talk about, you know, it's always been a dream of yours. It's well, not actually not really. It was, it was, uh, I've I, I always enjoyed humor and I was, I'd find myself getting in trouble being the funny kid. Like I was a class clown. I would make fun of myself. I would crack the jokes. It seemed to be a way to, I don't know, break the ice when it came to people right? and relationships and conversations and stuff. If you can get somebody to laugh, like so laughter is one of those things where there's, there's no tell. Like you can't, if you find something funny, you will laugh at it and it will tell it'll tell me your feelings on something. Right. Like if I can get you to laugh at an off color joke, that's like quasi, you know, eh, I don't know. Right. I know that about you now that there's certain sensibilities that you're okay with. Like it's, right. it's very interesting to me. For so sure. I had that. I always wanted to like have that skill and I enjoyed comedy as a, like watching it and going to shows and things like that from the time that I was a kid. Um, my, my comedy journey was weird though, because I didn't, I didn't know how to bridge these two parts of my personality. So I'm clearly an entrepreneur. I right. understand messaging and branding and how you have to put a certain you know, message out there. And there was a time where, you know, as I shared, I was doing consulting and even life coaching. Right. And I had this belief that you couldn't be a funny life coach. You had to be some dry ass, like boring dude that was just, Hey, we're going to help you live your best life. And, right. and, and, and that was everybody else in the space. There was nobody that was really, truly like entertaining. They were transformational and their messaging was good. And so I was in this space of like, I really, really loved that experience of like watching somebody transition from one thought into another thought that served them. Right. But I had this side of my personality that would honestly it would only come out when I was drunk. Like I would get a couple of drinks in me and I was the funny guy and I was doing, you know, and sometimes it got me in trouble and sometimes it didn't. But I, I wanted to live out loud. Social media comes in and I'm realizing like I want to crack that joke on Twitter. Right. Uh, I want to make that funny video. I want to. And, and I didn't ever feel like I was giving myself permission to do that. Right. And then this thing happened. I I. I stumbled across this documentary on HBO. Do you know who Gary Shandling is? Does that name ring a bell? Uh -uh. Okay. So the documentary itself is called the Zen diaries of Gary Shandling. Gary Shandling is actually a pretty famous comedian. He's really, he's really transformational in the TV space. Actually, he had a television show on HBO called the Larry Sanders show. Okay. And it was the first TV show that had that sort of docu style filming like the office. Right where you're talking to the camera. There's the, like, so Larry Sanders show was the first one doing that. And it was a monster hit. And Gary Shandling was the main guy in it. And it was about him as the host of the show. And he was a comedian and everything. And I'm watching this documentary about Gary Shandling. And I started realizing some things that connected me and him that I didn't realize before. Namely, he was a, I'm not a Buddhist, but he was a practicing Buddhist. 
He meditated every day. He had a strong belief in things like the law of attraction and some of the more metaphysical aspects of life and success and right. wealth and things. And he was a genuinely good person. Like he cared around the people. He was flawed, of course, but like the people that knew and loved Gary knew and loved Gary. And he was a savage comic. So funny, just a craftsman of words, understood timing. Like if you watch any of his stand up from back in the day, it's so good. I'm going to have to go watch it. And I'm looking at this going, oh, that's me. Like I have this aspect of my personality that I didn't know what to do with. And I have this aspect of my personality that's been unbridled. I haven't been able to like really, it's been bridled, not unbridled. It's, it's like been in a cage, like the funny side. Right. And that inspired me to go try open mic. So I go down to Wise Guys Comedy in Salt Lake. Yep. And I don't even do, I go down there two, three weeks in a row not doing stand-up. Really? I'm sitting there getting a lay of the land. Because everybody in comedy knows your doorway into comedy is open mic. You got to go do your deal. It's a three-minute set. You got you to gotta do it. Right. There's no other way. Like you earn your chops and you learn your stage presence and your timing and what the crowd likes and you learn how to read a crowd and you learn how to manipulate a crowd and you learn how to manipulate yourself and your jokes all through open mic. Really? So I finally tried my first set. I wrote a bunch of jokes, tried it the 11th of March, ate shit, but I got a good big laugh in the middle of it. Really? Like, okay, I'm going back. Heck yeah. And I was, I was kind of in this sadistic place too because like, dude, doing stand-up when you're not good at stand-up is like brutal. Right. Well, just getting, getting up in front of strangers would be difficult for most people. Yeah. But that's, that was never a part hard part for me. I was always good at that. I'd done speaking and things before. Right. But like crafting this joke, right. Thinking it's funny, having this ideal <laughs> and then just shitting it on the stage in a way that's unrecognizable as an actual joke. Cause you suck. Right. And the crowd's like, do we, do we, I think it was like, it's so demoralizing, but it's a part of the process. Like you have to suck really bad to be able to understand, well, I didn't suck at that part. And, and you have to develop community and stuff. There's all this, it's such a crazy thing. Like I have so much respect for actually like really established comics. Cause right. I, I know a piece of what they had to go through. But anyway, so I'd start doing that. Um, started go, I mean, I was doing as many open mics as I could. I would come up here to Ogden not up here, you're in late, but like I'd go or Syracuse. I would, I'd go to Ogden. I'd go to an open mic there. I'd go to ones at bar mics. I would do the ones at wise guys. I was doing two, three, four mics a week trying to get stage really? time. Wow. And then I got enough of a, I started getting chops enough to where I was in, asked to be on a weekend show by the owner of wise guys, key stubs. My very first opening show, I got to do seven minutes in front of Miss Pat. Miss Pat's a really successful, famous comedian. She's a hilarious black lady. She's got a TV show in development with Hulu right now. Wow. And I got to open for her. It was my first. And then I started, and then I got better at that. And then I got, I was able to host. And hosting is a different beast when it comes to the comedy show because you're the guy up front that's setting the tone. You're getting the crowd involved. You're the first guy on stage before the headliner comes out or before any of the openers. And it's a different, it's a different skill set because you have to be able to be somewhat of a presenter while being funny and directing traffic. You're handling a bunch of different energies at the right. same time in your head. Because yeah, generally the hosts are kind of funny, cracking jokes oh, yeah, they, they and making sure everything's orchestrated. You and have to be thing. funny, but you can't be funnier than the headliner. Right. Like it's a weird thing. Like you can be close, but like you don't want to overshadow the headline. There's a whole psychology associated wow. with a really good comedy There's show. so much into this. I would never think yeah. about when you're going to a show, you don't think about all the you're just laughing. It's funny. Yeah. Like there's so much deliberate stuff behind the scenes. Wow. And I started getting into this. I, my very first hosting gig 
was for Brian Callen, who is one of my favorite comics and favorite people ever. He's so funny. He's been on the Goldbergs. He was he was in the Hangover movies as like the guy in the church that's like, I got to, you know, they, when they yeah. get married. Like that's yeah. Brian Callen. I hosted for him and then I started getting, I started earning favor more with the club and I was able to host more and more shows. And I got to meet, you know, pretty much my heroes in comedy because I was either on the show or, you know, hanging out with them. And then right. I headlined my first time when headlining means it's your show for an hour. Like wow. You're up there for an hour. And I headlined 14 months from my first time of doing open mic. Wow. Which I'm really proud of that because nobody headlines that quickly. Right. But I was, it was kind of, and I wasn't even planning on headlining that quickly. I got a call from the club owner. He's like, you want to try this? I'm like, shit. Right. Yes. I had this, yeah. I had this rule. I'm never going to tell Keith. No. If he asks me something, I'm in. You want to host? Yes. You want to do this? Yes. Like, so he asked me this. I'm like, that's a huge ask. So I had to prepare and I started learning how to take all the jokes and bits that I'd written and how to put them together. And it was a decent show. It wasn't a great show, but it was funny. And the people that were there remembered it and it was good. And, right. and it, you know, that was another notch off the thing. It's like, okay, so I've headlined once. And then I worked on headlining again. And I was supposed to headline right at the beginning of COVID and that got canceled. And then I headlined again twice in August of 2021. And then I did their Vegas club and wow, I've, I've done LA now I've, I've I'm a part-time comic, but I take it very, very seriously. Right. But I wanted to add this because you referenced my reels and my comedy. I now feel I've given myself permission because I have that moniker of comedian that I can do like outlandish shit on my Instagram. Right. And on my Twitter and people are like, Oh yeah, he's a comic. It doesn't take away from my business at all. Ironically, right. it's helped my business because I'm a real person that has real desires to do something magnet. Like I, I have a real desire to like, be a legit famous touring comic that, you know, is a household name. Right. But I don't want to be a poor one. So like I'm with my business over here, <laughs> kind of doing it this other way. For sure. Um, and it's been a huge blessing for my life because it gives me an outlet to it, dude. It, it's, it's wrenchingly difficult. Oh, I can't even imagine. Like, so I, I feel like I'm pretty, funny guy maybe yeah you don't um, say yeah i mean i'm i mean especially on the show like i'm cracking jokes all the time when i speak i crack jokes a lot yeah. because i like to get the crowd like i'm not the guy like i hate being in in conferences or whatever and i'm like the guy just sit up there and talk and then like let's get laughing like stand up and yeah. chill and high five your next person and you know i've done stupid stuff where i've asked everybody to stand and then i'm like look at the person to your right look at the person to your left and sit down like thinking i'm gonna do this big thing i'm gonna just, just sit down stare okay, each other's eyes yeah, for like, five minutes. yeah be like if you're sitting next to someone ugly you can move like <laughs> just wanted you to actually <laughs> see them and make sure that you're looking you know just stupid stuff to try to get people to be like okay like jason like because i want to speak to people at like a personal level not like a like a, a like a authoritative demanding level like i just i don't know if that makes sense but like i want to speak to them not at them that let, me, let me share this with you because i don't know if a lot of people realize this and this was one of the things that it was a site it wasn't the reason but it was definitely a benefit that i wanted to be better at comedic timing and jokes okay you're a speaker you've done a lot of speaking right so you understand the power of emotion when you're on a stage and that when you can get people to emotionally connect to a story that brings them to a place of relatability and realness they remember you right being memorable as a speaker and as a comedian is number one some of the best advice i ever got was by one of my good friends his name's rodney norman he's like if you can't be as funny as you want at least be memorable right memorable yeah, is powerful one. okay yeah so in speaking it's easier to learn the skill of pulling emotion out of a story for some reason as humans that's a natural thing we can cry more easily than we can laugh ironically we we 
we just, we tend to slip to that side more easily. Right. But we do that at our detriment when it comes to really connecting in front of an audience, especially in a setting where like you're a leader of a team or in a business. People don't realize this. The brain science behind laughter is phenomenal when it comes to retention. Right. When you laugh at something, your brain, it puts it in both long-term and short-term recall. Really? So you can remember. That's why everybody can remember their favorite comedy bits from when they were a kid. Oh, I remember listening to Bill Cosby and the chocolate cake and he was talking about Noah's Ark. They remember this shit. Right. Not because they listened to it a hundred times, but because they were laughing. And the right. laughter was some sort of like a supercharging of the memory effect. Right. So if you want people to really remember what you're saying, get them laughing while you're teaching them. Right. That skill set is invaluable because right. it also breaks down people's walls. When people are crying or feeling an emotional thing, they constrict, they go inside and it becomes a more reflective moment where they're comparing their own personal experiences and thoughts to what's being shared with them on stage with laughter. It's expansive. They're looking at it bigger, right? So it makes it easier to team build. If you can get everybody laughing as opposed to crying, right? So not a lot of people realize that like it's so much more powerful for memory for recall for everything. If you can learn while you're laughing as opposed to learn during drama. Right. And I definitely think that it's like timing, right? Like it's, it's right times. Cause I've been in some speaking situations or like listening to a speaker, listening to a host where they sat up there and like, like crack jokes and degraded everything. Like in so in a weird way that I'm like, dude, just shut up and freaking it's like, stop trying to make everything. Like everything is, a, it's like, there's a difference between like making things a joke and then making things a joke. Like, like we're, like you're trying to, like, I, I don't know. Like it's kind of hard me, to explain. Oh, I, I love this. Let me, let me kind of illuminate that for you. Cause I think I, I know where you're going with this. So there are certain subject matters that are off limits, right? There are no responses to those subject matters that are off limits. What I mean by that. So as an example, I, I've had cancer before. Okay. Right. Lymphoma, the whole thing had some stuff I went through. Not funny, not right. funny at all. Some of the funniest jokes that I do on stage is about my response to how I had cancer and the things that I went through and the way that people reacted. And so I take this really serious thing and I talk about the playground outside of it and it's hilarious. Right. And I'm not demeaning the experience of what I went through or what anybody else went through. You can actually have funny rape jokes. You can have funny incest jokes, like, but it's not about the rape or the incest or the other horrible thing. It's about the thing outside of it that can be funny. Right. And when it comes to that, like that's just hacky comedy of people are like talking shit about what they're trying to talk about. Like there's, there's ways to be funny without it being negative. Right. Like sarcasm isn't humor. Right. Sarcasm can be funny and can have humorous elements, but the energy of that sort of expression, sarcasm is actually closer to anger than it is funny for sure. So it's doesn't help. Yeah. And you get in like reading the room, right? Yeah. Like if you're, I'm sure like, and maybe you can speak to this, like as a, as a comedian, every crowd's going to be a little bit different, right? Everybody, every, every region's going to be a little bit different. Some people are going to think things are funny in one region, maybe yeah. not the other, maybe, I mean, I don't know. Cause just oh, from my 100%. experience speaking, like I might be super passionate about one thing, you know, in California speaking, but when I'm in, you know, New York or Florida, it's very different. Right. And so being able to like think on your toes, right. And like think and like, and having those like, the, the transitions into, into things and pivoting and then not panicking. Yep. Like I, I know as a speaker, like the worst thing you can do is panic and then try to like, there was this one guy that his biggest advice he told me and like, it's helped me like when you're done, you're done. 
If you're done speaking, if you if you build there an hour and you're done, you're done. Like don't sit up there and try to just fumble through yeah. different things and you know go through and like be like okay, like I think that I'm done and oh I'm not done and then that, like and try to waste another thirty minutes. Just, if you're done, you're done. Yeah. And what it told me is okay, like I'm always have these like sub subjects because sometimes I'll just get rolling and I'm like crap, I just spoke for thirty minutes about everything on my notes and it's like wait, there's another thing that I wanted to talk about and then you go through it. But there's been some times where I'm like, I'm done. I'm walking off. They're like, the sound people are scrambling because I was supposed to, I have 10 minutes left and I'm like, hey guys, I'm sorry. And like, I'm I'm not going to sit up here and ramble and waste your time. But I feel like there's a lot of people that do that yeah. and and can't think on their feet. How How is it just through practice? Like being a comedian, just through multiple times doing those and like practicing and rehearsing. And and, and I want to ask how much of it is, is rehearsing like comedy? Because like you go to like, I've been to Kevin Hart so yeah. many times and Gabriel Iglesias. I think these guys are freaking hilarious. They're and awesome. I've been to the, to the, oh, what's that? Like uh, the blue collar comedy guys. I've been okay. to them quite a few times. Yeah. Ken, um, what's his name? Ken Collier. Ken Collier. I opened for him a while ago. Really? He was, he's like the fourth one. He's not Larry the Cable Guy or Jeff Foxworthy or what's the other guy? Bill. Bill Ingball. He's yeah. like the fourth one. Uh, Reed, Reno Collier. That's his name. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're hilarious people and I love Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. But like I want like how much of that is rehearsed where it's the same it's a lot really it's very it's it's way more scripted than you would think really and cuz you would of, never know that yeah so that, so part of it is like so for example if I have a bit that I'm going to do I have a general like in my mind it's not word for word I'm not one of those guys right but there's like benchmarks in the joke that I have to hit to open up to the next part of the story right and then there's a setup and there's a punchline and so it's way more scripted than you think but the beauty of it is is that through practice and through like really understanding where you're trying to take the crowd with the joke you can tweak the timing and the speed and all that so that it, it if you're good at it it doesn't feel scripted what do you think makes a good comedian be a great comedian what is that like it factor? Um, well, it's a combination of just really funny material and being able to deliver it. Right. There's a, there's a lot of really great comedy writers that you'll never know their names. Really? They don't have good chops on stage or they have these weird ideas about comedy and they don't know how to promote themselves and they don't know how to like, you know, actually be famous. They're not prepared to be in the spotlight. Right. Um, which is kind of crazy to me because it's like, well, why are you in comedy at all if you don't want to like have people hear your stuff and be the recipient of all that beautiful? Yeah, I feel like that's laughter. the point of that. Yeah, right? like here having a room full of strangers laugh their guts out at something you just said is it's a high better than cocaine, bro. Like really? it is amazing, <laughs> but you can't just step into that. Like you got to right. like earn it. Um, yeah, I, I, the the best comedians that I that I follow and that I love some of them are just quirky and they have this really funny way about them and they figured out how to use that way in their material. Right. Some of them are just really clever with how they talk about current events or different situations with society. And they're able to bring that in in a funny way that shows a different angle in comedy. There's a phrase called the left turn. Hmm. And when you can master the left turn, you have a better shot. The, uh, the left turn is the answer that's always there, but you don't expect it. Every joke is kind of a left turn in a way because you're right. just not expecting it to be. Well, there. and like the transitions, right? Like there's like, that's got to be, it's got to like, it, it's telling, I don't know. Like I look at comedy like one big storyboard yeah. with multiple different little individual yeah. stories. And sometimes like you pivot it this way and pivot it that way, 100%. but it's, it's put together of one long storyboard and with, yeah. with 
with individual things. And like, I, I, I have no clue how you guys do what you do because I struggle speaking and transitioning into next points. Yeah. I mean, mine's a little, or, or you speak too, but like speaking is a little bit different because you can actually say, okay, on to my next point or, okay, now we're going to go into the, you can't really do that in comedy. Moving on. Yeah. You can't really be like, okay, that's a subsection 8.1.2. We're going to go to B now. And then we're going to start talking. Well, about Some this. comics will do that, but they'll do it. So like brazenly, like in your face that, you know, it's a part of the joke. You're right. Like, oh, well, here's my next, like, right. But yeah, you can't, well, how you do that. That's actually a great way to describe it, that it's a storyboard. You have to then like, so when I write jokes, I write them, you know, five minutes at a time, right? I'll have a story or an idea and I'll flush it out or whatever. And, and honestly, you know, you reference my reels. A lot of those reels are like things that I'm just at the very beginning of trying to work out as a joke I could do on stage. Right. And then con just films them and we make it into something that's funny. And it might not even be in a joke format the way that I share it on social. It's just like me kind of ranting about something or being silly about something else. Right. But like when I watch it back from a separate spot, I can look at that and like, Oh, there's some meat on that bone. Like right. I could take that and turn that into like I did a, <laughs> I've done so many reels where like, that's been the case where I've turned it into something that was actually, that's totally different than the real, but the start, the seed of it was something right. that had like a weird idea about. Do you think that sure. comedy has gotten tougher in today's world due to the cancel culture, due to people having way too many feelings and everybody's feelings get hurt and we got to coddle everybody because I know you're not that person. Yeah, um, you, you definitely speak your mind and people agree to disagree and, yeah. you know, can say whatever, but in the, the day, like you're unapologetically you, which I love like that, 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 I think that's the coolest thing in the world because I feel like right now this world is trying to box everybody into this perfect little box and you can't say this and you can't say that and you can't like, it's just, it's kind of getting a little bit crazy. Like you, you can't completely be a, like a dick and asshole to somebody. Right. But like you should be able to be you and have your beliefs and your yeah. views. On, it's a viewpoint. Like at the end of the day, like, well, it's, it's also jokes. Yeah. Like it's something like I, I have jokes in my set, my act where it's not really how I feel about something. I just position it like I do. And then I backtrack later on for the sake of the, the additional laugh. Right. So I do think that, that there's a, that's a multifaceted answer to that question because I think overall comedy is easier in that there's more access to it. Like if okay. you really want to learn how to do comedy, you can watch a ton of crappy comedy on YouTube and Instagram and stuff and get a joke structure and see how it works. And you can like study it from an external place where you're like, okay, so there's an equation. The setup has to equal the payoff. And how do you do that? And you know, you figure it out. But at the same time, like uh, we're seeing this kind of swing back. Right. The last several years, even before COVID, there was a, you know, a lot of stuff that was considered like really off limits, you know, gender identity stuff, trans stuff. Like you watch Dave Chappelle getting all that hot water for talking about, you know, the alphabet people and, and the jokes that he's saying. And, and he ironically in his sets where he talks about it, he even distinguishes, he's like, this isn't about transgender people. It's the conversation around them. So that goes to that format, that right. format. I said, like there's, you there's horrible things that are off limits, but the around those experiences and things, you can talk about that. And I think that that's where it just requires you to be smarter as a comic. Right. You know, I've, I've, uh, you know, I have children that have been growing up in this sort of weird climate with sexuality and everything. And so I've got jokes in my act about my kids and them saying certain things to me and their experiences and everything. And 
the, the transgender, the pansexual, the stuff is in the backdrop of the conversation. It's something that I address, but the joke itself really isn't related to that. It's related to the, you know, the way that we interact as a family and the, the uncertainty of being an older guy and learning these new rules and the arrogance of the children and things. Um, you can joke about anything if you right. joke about it correctly. Well, and I think that like a lot of it is, a lot of it can come down, especially like with Dave Chappelle being on a, on a national stage. Oh, he's untouchable dude. It's well, and it's the bits that the media pulls out of things and then puts, you know, on the national stage and when it's like, okay, if you go back to the people that were actually there or saw the whole thing, that's not exactly how it happened. Or like there was a conversation, maybe you're like a, a setup to the joke that was a, you know, not a warning, but like, Hey, this is, this is, you know, like you said, not about, this it's about the conversation I had with someone that was yeah. a funny conversation. Like, so I feel like a lot of the media has tried to do that, but I feel like like there's like a rise of people trying to stand up, like you're saying, like stand up and say, no, 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 like we things can be funny or yeah. like thing like we can we can do it in a tactful way that like because I, I really do feel like laughter helps. Like we were talking before, like laughter helps so many different things, and I feel like it is like a medicine and like even like a mental healing yeah. uh, to get through some things or whatever. It's good people, for your body, man. Yeah, and like my like people just need to relax and chill and just. I think uh, uh, one of the things I want to make sure is clear about that. Um, and maybe this is because I'm around laughter a lot with comedy and I, I seek it a lot. Like I'm always looking to have a laugh and to have a, a good time. People that can't laugh about certain things. I think that it shows the weakness in their own resolve about their own feelings. Like, so if you hmm. look at some of these more like off topic things, you know, race relations or gender stuff or sexuality, things like that. People that have a problem with the joking about that. Like, I don't think they're really like, sound in their opinions about things. And it's so fragile that the idea that somebody would poke a joke at it seems offensive right? because it's on shaky ground. Um, I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was uh, Chris Rock or maybe it was Joe Rogan in one of their recent uh, sets. They were talking about how, you know, for example, like a lot of the pushback from the transgender community about some of the comedy that's been coming out of that. Like the, the comedians are saying like, Oh, you, you don't get it. We're cool with you. That's why we're joking about you because we think you can handle it. We respect you having a human experience. We respect what you're dealing with. It's kind of funny. And we respect you enough to think you could handle the reality of this is a part of what you're dealing with. That's hilarious. Right. And I love the opening of that because it's like the, the bigger thing that I think that's a, a more detrimental in comedy is the silencing of certain things saying it's like the idea that you can't talk about something. Right. And that if you do it automatically casts you into this group over here that has a bunch of means things you're right. in this group. So it means this, right? Cause comedians all the time will joke about stuff. They don't give a shit about it's right. like they actually care. They're just trying to get a joke. Right. Yeah. Just trying to get shock people, to, people to laugh. But like, yeah. again, it goes back to the conversation around something. Yeah. And like, you know, me, like, you know, me, me growing up, how I grew up, we could, we could crack jokes about that conversation all the time. Like, you know, yeah. this and that and the other, like that. Yeah. It, it you know, it's almost well, for, more, for men specifically. It's like, there's a, there's an acceptance of somebody's going to bust your balls. Oh, this guy's my friend. He's, he's busting my, and it can't be like, you know, bullying or mean, but like right. if somebody's going to joke with you, that's a good sign. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like, you know, when we're joking together, like that's yeah. more of a, like our relation, like, now we're, like we're friends. Like it's almost yeah. like validating our friendship. Like yeah. we can joke with each other when it's just uh, like super serious. I'm like, oh, yeah, like I don't really know. And, and that's like, for my person, that's hard for me to be me because I want to joke the whole time yeah. and crack jokes and make fun of things. And like my wife's 
foot is as big as my palm. So like, I'm always like, Hey, this is a party trick. Rub over her shoes. Look at guys, her foot's super small. And people are like, you're freaking weird, dude. But like, we're just cracking jokes all the time. And like, I think you should do that more, dude. Yeah, I think you should lean into that more. And, and uh, you're a smart enough guy to know where the line is and where not to, but like, right. we need more of that, man. Right. Like it's, it is totally acceptable for a really successful dude like you to be funny too. Yeah. I, I probably, I feel like I should, cause I feel like I, I like people. I'm like you, like I like yeah. people to laugh and I'm like, I'm like, everybody just needs to stop taking everything so serious. Like, yeah. like some bad things will happen at work or like, you know, at different things or we'll lose money or we'll get this fine or whatever. And I'll be like, or, you know, you think we can still buy lunch or like, we'll be all right here. Or like, <laughs> like someone makes some money. I'm like, Oh, thank God. I was wondering how I was going to, you know, fuel up the plane to get home. So thank you for selling that. Like, this has been really difficult. And people like, poor, I just, poor guy, yeah, man. I'm like, Oh fuel, man, jet fuel, is jet so fuel. Weird. I'm like, Oh man, like I was, you know, I can't even eat. So like, Oh, we were going to order McDonald's but we can get subway for everybody or Jimmy John's. Like, are, are we sure we're okay to do that? Like I want people to just, Cause it just breaks the barriers down. Like yeah. I don't want this barrier to be like, everything has to be super serious. Like there's a time and a place for everything, but generally like I try to just have a good time and pe people just remember the conversations they have. And I think that yeah. like going back to what you said before, people remember that yeah. and they remember the funny interactions I have with them, especially being in quote unquote, the CEO and my name's in the building type of person. And okay, I'm coming into the dealership. How's he going to be first time ever meeting with them. Did I sometimes show up in a sweatshirt and jeans and yeah. I piss everybody off because I'm supposed to look nice and professional and I go up, I'm cracking jokes and like, you know, sometimes stuff's flooding and I'm like, you know, we'll blow up some floaties. Like we had a, a, a shop flood and I'm blowing up floaties and I'm like, oh, you think we're going to fix the shop? No, we're just going to get you some stuff to float your tools around. And they're like, now. yeah, they're like, what? And I'm like, guys, I'm joking to contractors on the way. They're like, oh, ha, ha like Jason, you know, because they don't know how to take me either. So, um, well, one of the things that, um, I, th I think is, I, I really appreciate you bringing that up. This is a, an important factor in the difference between like public speaking and stand up, and how it relates to, you know, interactions with people and, and that, especially with you being in a position of leadership as an owner and you know, manager of your companies and things. Right. You know, when I was, before I got into stand up, when I would do public speaking, like I studied how to be a strong public speaker and, and you know, this as well that one of the major things that you want to establish when you are a public speaker on stage is authority, right? You want people to think and understand, like I know something different than, you know, and I'm here to help you. Right. And so there's little different ways that you can, you know, create that dynamic of where they see you as the authority. When you do comedy, they don't want that. Right. They don't want you positioning yourself as the authority. They want you to be one of them. Right. They want you to be one of them up there with the mic. So like little things, like there was this joke, um, one of my very first jokes, so my wife's a Pilates instructor, right? Okay. And I had this joke about Kegels and uh, like that's basically <laughs> her job, right? Like she just, that's, she tightens, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> and so, but Kegel is a weird word, man. Yeah, like if you is. don't know what it is, you don't know what it is. And it doesn't give you any there's, hints. There's so many people Googling yeah. Kegel right now. Dude, if, don't go to images. Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> Dude, so if you don't know what it is, you don't know what it is, right? right. So like I'm thinking in my in, as I'm writing this joke, and again, this is from a, a, a immature, like developed comedy stage understanding. So I'm like, well, I'm just gonna explain it. I'm like, so I looked up what how did I do? I used to be like, for those of you that don't know, Kegel is blah blah, and I would explain what Kegel is, and it would always kill the joke. It was it was like, because and I didn't realize until later what was happening. They were looking at me like, who's this asshole to tell me something I already know? Right. Or if they didn't know, they felt stupid because of the way that I was describing it. Like they should have known. Right. 
And so when I, when I changed that and I'd be like, guys, dude, I didn't even know what this was, man. Like I had to look it up. I, I was reading that this is what it is. I'm like, I had no idea, dude. I'm describing my journey of understanding what this word is like I'm a bumbling idiot. And right. they're on, st they're in the crowd now looking at me going, this idiot didn't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> or, or they had similar experience like, dude, that me too. Or, or <laughs> they didn't know and they don't feel stupid because he didn't know either. Right. So like, I don't want leverage or authority as a comic. I want to be considered right. one of them. I just got a microphone. Right. No, dude, I, I love that. Bryce, man, I appreciate you so much for being on here that we can, dude, you're a freaking most interesting man in the world. I feel like, like you're, <laughs> because there's so much to you. Like you've had so much go on in life and so many experiences. You've done so many cool things and love what you're doing now. And, you know, just, you know, really, really appreciate you being on the show. It means a lot. You made the, made the drive up here. One last thing I want to ask you, yeah, I ask everybody up. on the show and you would know, cause you produce it. Um, what does success mean to you? How do you, how do you view success or your definition of success? Success to me. Great. Well, first of all, thank you for allowing me to be up here on the show. I had a good time, man. This is hey, fun. You're welcome. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and we'll get you on my show stand up soon too. Okay. It'll be a different type of chat. I'd love, no, I, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. It'll be fun. What is success to me? Success to me. It's, it's funny because my daughter actually asked me this recently. She was doing a project at school and she comes to me and she's like, dad, you're successful, right? And I go, yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I hope so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, the answer when I thought about it was this success is being able to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, whenever you want. I love that. That's, that's, it, that's it, huge. It's, 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 it's success in your health and fitness. It's success in your money. It's success in your relationships. It's success with your understanding of God. Like success isn't just a financial thing. It's, it's about freedom of movement. Right. Right. And so if it means I need to make more money, cool. It means I need to short my relationships. Got it. If I need to lose a bunch of weight and actually get shred city, that's what it means. Like there's all those doors ways into that place where I can do what I want, how I want with who I want. when I want. No, I love that, man. Yeah. Bryce, I appreciate you being on the show. Where can people find you at? Uh, two, uh, two simple things. Uh, if you go to BricePrescottComedy.com, that's a, just a little landing page. It's got all the links to my socials and everything. Uh, you're, everything's my name on Instagram. I'm at Bryce Prescott. On Twitter, I'm D Bryce Prescott. Um, TikTok is Bryce Prescott official. Just if you search for my name, you're going to find me. Sweet. And my podcast is stand up. You, all the links to that are at that Bryce Prescott comedy page. Cool. And then we'll, I'll make sure that your team puts all those links in the <laughs> automated, oh, full right? inception <laughs> circle. <right here. laughs> I'll make sure they, they put your own links in, in the, in the description. But, uh, if you like this podcast, please share it. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and all over the place at, at Jason Haugen. And thank you, Bryce, so much for being on the show. Thank you, brother.